You can be opening your Bibles to Genesis and chapter 21. We have come to that point. And uh, usually we say Genesis 1-1 in Hebrew. Um, our time is going away. Sorry, I had to do that to see the clock. I can't see the clock very well. Um, and so uh, I am more than happy to get to this chapter. This is the first birth of the promise. What we just witnessed was the fulfillment of this promise. And what we are looking at is the very first birth that leads to that promise. I just want to uh, mention, uh, just because uh, hopefully it's on your mind, um, that, that this past weekend, yesterday, uh, we understand was the 20th anniversary. And I don't know if you're older like me, people 20, 25 and down never knew a time that we weren't at war uh, with terrorists. And I say 25, I know they were born five years before the attack, but how many of y'all remember one through, years one through five in your own life? It's very, uh, very cloudy there. And so that, this is the only reality they know. And then you know nationally what has just happened in Afghanistan. Uh, and, and people are confused. People are angry. People are afraid. People are hurting. And, uh, and, and all the things that cause those problems continue to cause those problems. The only answer <clears throat> to those problems, they're not found <clears throat> in politics. They're not found in the military. They're found in Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll, I'll wait on a better amen than that. That's exactly right. We all need Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you do that. Um, but we do have a lot of refugees on our way to the country. Um, and just this past week, we, we give clothes to, it's called Equipping the Saints, organization here that, that supplies uh, missionaries with, with need. And a, a few of our people were able to go this past week and help load 18 wheeler full of clothes, some of which I'm sure we donated because we donate all the time here. Um, and in case you didn't know that, you can do, donate food and clothing. And, and the clothing is for our local clothes closet, ours, that we right across the street here and our food pantry. And then we send some off to ETS and they get it to the field. So we're sending clothes in that way uh, to help some of these uh, places that are taking in these refugees. But uh, I just thank God that uh, we're still here and uh, we, we still have this before us. And in Genesis 21, uh, and, and I am going to take the time to go ahead and read it because I'm going to refer back to a lot of things and I want you to hear it. So if you don't mind standing up with me now that you've got your Bible or your electronic device turned to Genesis 21, 21 verses here. Let's read it together. Uh, I'll read it out loud. You can just follow. The Lord, or Yahweh, uh, if if uh, we translate that uh, literally, Yahweh visited Sarah as he had said, and Yahweh did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew. No, she didn't think she was old. <laughs> Verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, 
For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For though Isaac shall be your offspring, uh, through Isaac your offspring shall be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he's your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water and the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. God, would you please add your blessing to your word? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank, thank you. You can be seated. I call this birth and beyond. Uh, birth and beyond. We come to this birth of Isaac. It's a miraculous birth. And, uh, and, and it's one really for the history books. I, I, don't, I don't know even with modern medicine, a woman 90 years old, a man 100 years old, having a child in a natural way as this happened. But this birth, this birth parallels a lot of other miraculous births in the Bible that God predicted it. God gave the name. They, they obeyed God. They said the name, uh, gave that child that name. And, but there's, there's something here that you need to see. The reason we're looking at Isaac and Ishmael is because one is a child of promise and the other is not. And the one that is not the child of promise is the firstborn son of Abraham. And so in their culture, that son should have had all the benefits of being the firstborn. And that's not what he got. And so the Bible, this, this is, God allows this because he uses it as a picture in the New Testament. We will look at that briefly uh, when we get there. But Here's Ishmael born to a slave woman and he doesn't get any rights of the firstborn son. And that's why Abraham's upset. I'm kind of foreshadowing everything I'm going to talk about. But here's my point in that. Some of you may feel like you had a bad birth. You had a tragic birth. I mean, we're, we're talking about 40 days for life and participating in that and praying that children will be born. And, and people that are for the murder of the, of the innocent unborn will say, well, that child's going to be poor. That child's being born in poor circumstances. Yes, and your point, should then we go and find all the poor people in the world and homeless people and go ahead and kill them because they're suffering? Should we, should we go to all the people who have some permanent physical problem like my diabetes for 54 years and say, well, your life won't be as rich as someone else, so let's kill you? You see the idiocy of that kind of argument, right? But even if that didn't happen, children of rape or incest, not the child's fault. And, and as you sit here today, maybe you have a horrible family that you grew up in. Many of you had great families, I'm sure. But 
But maybe you have some other issue in life that you feel like you can't catch a break and you're downtrodden. Here's what I want you to take home with you today. Don't let your circumstances dictate your birth. Now, that sounds backwards, don't it? Don't let your birth dictate your circumstances. But you see, later on, the Bible lets us know that we are born as slaves to sin, just as Ishmael was born to a slave woman. And God said, but I'm going to take care of him. You see, we are born in sin. We are born a slave to sin. But God invites us to become a child of promise. And how do we become a child of promise? Through the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? You hear what I'm saying? Okay. So, don't let the devil lie to you and say the circumstances of your birth dictate your life. They don't. It is your second birth that's going to make the difference. It is when you're born to the family of God that everything changes. You become a brand new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. The answer to your problems is not you solving your problems. The answer to your problems is turning to Christ and becoming one of his and letting God take care of you. God has brought your circumstance for a specific reason. And so we want to look at that. So the first point I, want to, I call this is more than. Man, Isaac is a little more than everybody else, right? Uh, it, it's very interesting what happened. But in the very first two verses, God is emphasizing through uh, Moses writing this to us and their inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to catch how much God kept his word. Notice, the Lord visited Sarah. And that's Yahweh visits Sarah as he had said. He had promised it. Now he's doing it. And the Lord did to Sarah. He does what he said he would do. As he had promised, again, he said it. Twice it says, he said it, he's doing it. He said it, he's doing it. He promised it, it's happening. We, we every four years, and in between, we, we've got an election coming in November. If you're not registered, there'll be somebody to help you register to vote out there afterwards in the gym um, if you need to do that. But, but we are always voting, and every time we vote, we have these great hopes that the person we voted for is going to win because we believe they're going to change it because they promised. But they're people. There's a limit to what they can accomplish, even if they do their best to keep their promises. Let me just tell you something. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty, all-loving. He can do what he says he's going to do. You don't have to doubt him. You don't have to come to Christ and say, Christ, I need you. I need you to save me from my sin. I need, I need you to give me a radically new life. I need a different viewpoint in the world. I need my mind to be like your mind. I need my life to be like yours. And God can do it. You don't ever have to doubt that he won't do it. Well, God has said, he said it. He spoke it. Now is the right time for it. And he's doing it. And in verse 2, he lets us know what happened. Sarah conceived... And bore Abraham a son in his old age. He's 100. Now, he kept having children. He's 175. I don't know if you realize that. It's later in the Bible. We'll see that. Sarah is not going to live that long. But Abraham does. And he keeps, I don't know what happened to all those kids. The Bible doesn't tell us. But, but this is the child of promise. So God wants us to see this. And it, notice what it says in verse 2. At the time which God had spoken to him. God had given him a year before. This time next year you're going to have a boy by her. And that is exactly what happens. And then we come to verse 3. And it kind of, it kind of fades into something. But I want, 
I want you to catch a word in those first two verses. Uh, if you watch the wrap-up, uh, is that what we call it? I forget what we call it now. Um, but anyway, every Thursday we produce a little 10, 15, 20-minute video of what happened last week and foreshadowing this week. And I told y'all that in that this week to look for the most important word in these 21 verses. And I'll tell you what it is. And maybe it's not the most important, but it is a point that you will miss if I don't point it out. It's in verse 1, and in my version of the Bible, which is an ESV, English Standard Version, it's the third word in, visited. Uh, that's why you'd miss it. God visited. That word does not mean he came by for a visit. That word means he poured out his love and grace and blessing on Sarah. It's, it's kind of a difficult word, word to translate. Some other modern translations translate it as blessing or or, or favor, but it, it means that God came and all that he had, he is giving to, he is granting to Sarah all that she needs for what God wants to happen, and he is blessing her greatly. This word visited lets us know that God is keeping his promise. And we translate it visited because that's the closest we can come. But it's filled with so much more meaning. It's not like God sent somebody to go, go take care of that. He shows up himself. He comes with all that he's got to give us all that we need. And that's why I'm telling you, don't let your circumstances dictate where you are in life. Because if you will submit to God, he will show up and he will give you everything that is necessary for what you need. Now, don't hear me saying in that, that if you turn to God and you decide, that's kind of a weird way to say it, but if you, if you begin to follow God, don't, don't think that means that you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and your teeth will shine brighter, and you'll get better looking, or any of that, or your hair will grow back. Sorry, Nick. Uh, or anything like that. Uh, Nick's a good buddy. I can, I can tease him. God made billions of heads. The ugly ones he covered with hair. So anyway, that's, that's how that works. Um, so uh, anyway. So, but God doesn't mean that God's going to make necessarily your circumstances better. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, you follow God and everything will be fine. No, it might not be. It might get worse. But here's the difference. God will be with you. You will have God's presence in your life for the journey. I can go through anything as long as you go with me. It's when I got to go through it by myself, it gets a little tough. When you feel like you're the last man standing, when you're up to your neck in alligators, you forget you came to drain the swamp. Now, I've been amongst alligators. I know what that feels like. Not in the water with them, thank the Lord. But I've been close to me to that step from one many times, on land and in the water. That's kind of scary feeling. But if I got a friend between me and him, all I got to do is get out before him, right? <laughs> We're good to go. God is that companion. He will be with you forever as he was with Isaac, as he was with Ishmael. I don't want to forget that. But I want to point out one other thing. What Sarah says, she's, they named him Isaac, which means laughter. And she says in verse 4, uh, I'm sorry, back in uh, no, verse 4, Abraham circumcised Isaac when he was supposed to at eight days old, as God had commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old. Verse 6, and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me 
Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Now, God had told them to name him Isaac. And why? If you remember a few chapters back, God told Abraham, Sarah's going to have a baby. Quit trying to do this on your own because Abraham wanted his servant that he loved. Let him be my heir. He said, no, not him. And then Sarah goes, well, God's not doing it, you know, on our schedule. So let's help God out as if he needed help. So here's my slave, Hagar, have a baby by her, which was acceptable in their day, but God, that wasn't God's will. And so she has a baby and then trouble ensues and we got a lot going on. And God says, I said, Sarah will have a baby. Well, when God told Abraham, Sarah would have a baby, Abraham laughed. Then God visits Sarah and tells her and she laughs. So what are you laughing at? You're going to name that boy laughter. And here in verse 6, Sarah says, that laugh that we did that was a mocking laugh of unbelief, God has turned into laughter of joy. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When God shows up, he'll take what looks ugly and make it beautiful. He'll take what looked like destruction and make it life. You will see God at work. And their laughter is transformed from a ha to a woo, praise the Lord. Look what God has done. Well, Ishmael is also supposed to inherit something, but he's less than. That's the second point I want you to get. We pick that up. What must it be like to be born to a slave? I mean, the hope is, well, it's Abraham's kid. So everything's going to be okay, right? No. Because he's not the child of promise. He is not as important in God's economy as Isaac is. Does that mean he's not important? Not at all. Because as I said, God's going to use this as a picture for us in Galatians 4, by the way. You just want to reference early. What must it be like to be born a slave? Especially in a a place where slavery is okay. And secondly where there is no way to work your way out of slavery. At least in the, in the Bible, slaves could, in some cases, work their way out of slavery because they're paying off a debt. But what is it like to be born? In, in, I mean, Ishmael didn't have anything to do with that. He's born to a slave. And the trouble they had earlier, and his mom, and you need to remember this about Hagar, she started making fun of Sarah. Because Sarah couldn't have a baby. And she'd had one for Abraham. And so she throws her out. She goes to Abraham and complains. He said, do whatever you want. She throws Hagar out. Hagar almost dies then. And God says, corrects her action. Says, you get back in there. That's where you're supposed to be. And sends her back home. And Abraham and Sarah let her come back in. But now the child of promise is turning two or three years old. She, whenever the child is weaned, I don't know what that is, and especially in that day, I don't know if that five years old. I mean, I don't know. But let's just suppose two or three years old. If, it, if, the ba- if Isaac is three, Ishmael's about 17 years old here. Now, if you're a teenager, and you got a new baby stepbrother, and everybody's making out over him, what are you going to do? You're going to make fun of him, right? That's what Ishmael's doing. By the way, this word in my version is translated, laughs at the child, it is a very difficult word to translate in Hebrew from Hebrew. Number one, because some of the words we're not exactly sure of, but it, it can mean so many different things. 
It can be very horrible things. It could just mean you're playing around with him. It could mean you're just playing a game with him, like Monopoly or soccer or some other meaningless sport, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, nobody caught that. I was just joking, all right? Um, you, you know, if you're, if you're doing something with, and so just to make it kind of nice, it says laughed at him. Another place said making fun of him. Where did, I, where did Ishmael learn that? Oh, yeah, his mom used to do that to Sarah because she couldn't have a baby. This kid learned just from his mom. Listen, we want to help our children learn, but I can't overcome the time they spend with you. You're the one teaching them. Just when you go to do something, think, but I want my, I, it's, it's horrifying to hear your kids when they start talking repeat you back to you. Amen? Sometimes, amen? Some of y'all, no, I never, I never did it. Listen, we all did it, all right? And they'll say something, you go, where did you hear that? Oh, yeah, I said that, sorry. He's thrown out with a three-year-old. But let me, let me explain what's going on in the law back then. All Abraham is obligated to do is provide a little bit of food, a little bit of water, and send them away. They don't, he doesn't get any inheritance. He doesn't get any money. He doesn't get a house. He gets nothing. Only provisions. And so here is this single mom with no child support and a violent child on her hands because the boy is violent. Sound like some folks suffering in our own community, struggling. Listen, it's not enough just to be against abortion. We got to be for helping people raise their children or be willing to adopt their children to raise ourselves. We, we all can get excited about, yeah, we're going to pray people don't kill their baby. Well, are you willing to take that baby and raise it? Are you willing to help pay for a Christian family in the church that wants to adopt a child to pay for it and adopt it? I mean, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's not just say we're praying for it and show up once a year. And let's do it right. Can you imagine where, what's going through Hagar's mind? There, there are probably women in here that can. And so they are sent away. And it's kind of interesting that she, when they're about to die because they've run out of provisions, they've got nothing going on, she puts them, and it, the Bible foreshadows itself immediately here, a bow shot away. Ishmael grows up to be an expert with the bow. He's, a man, he's going to, be able to become a man of war. Just to watch him die. She, she couldn't get up close to him, couldn't stand to see it. He's 17. We, we always think of this as a baby. This, this is a teenager. She spent time with him. And he's going to die. But in verse 17, by the way, you know what Ishmael means. God heard. In verse 17, and God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God. It's interesting that the Bible says angel of God here. Because in a minute you're going to realize it's Jesus. And the voice of the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I've been thrown out. I got nothing. I'm a single mom. No provision. Not even getting child support. Don't get alimony. Richest man in the world, very possibly. And I got nothing. And he's the firstborn. He should get everything. And God says, What are you worried about? When you think your circumstances are insurmountable, 
Does this remind you of a story in the New Testament? Not about the kids and the moms and all, but about a time when there's 12 men who are walking with Jesus and have seen him do miraculous things, and they're crossing an, a, a big lake called the Sea of Galilee. And a storm comes up, and the boat's being swamped. And I don't know how in a hollow, I mean, there's no, like, cabin down in the bottom of those boats. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. That means the water's lapping around him. And he's just snoring away. And they wake him up and say, don't you care that we perish? And he said, what are you worried about? I'm in the boat. <laughs> it isn't going to sink. Nothing bad's going to happen. I'm with you. Why are you worried, oh, you of little faith? That's what he's saying to Hagar. Why are you sounding so desperate? When we think it's all over, God is just going, you ready now? You, you, you want me to help you now? I mean, what a silly question, but that's, God has to ask us that. Because we get so bent out of shape because we're looking at it through our eyes of flesh and saying, man, this situation is impossible. And God says to her, what's troubling you, Hagar? Fear not. God has heard. God has heard the cry of that boy. Where he is, I know exactly where he is. Again, in Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, God knows when a sparrow lands on a branch. I, I've got some bird feeders, and I see these sparrows coming up and landing on that little thing and getting a seed and flying off. God knows. He knows the number of birds, the count of them, how many times they've landed, how many seeds they've eaten. He knows all of that. Don't you think he cares about you if he's keeping up with sparrows in my backyard? I mean, come on. That's what God is trying to get us to see. He says, up, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, because I'm going to make him into a great nation. God is promising, and he, and he has become. All the Semitic people that, that go back to Abraham as their father, man, they, there's a bunch of them. Now, there's going to be war between Ishmael's descendants and Isaac's descendants till today. That's why we're in trouble right now. But God has a purpose. And God opened her eyes and saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin. And I told you the angel, we're going to realize it's Jesus. He says, for God is heard up. And he says, for I will make him to a great nation. An angel can't do that. It had to be God speaking. It had to be Jesus speaking. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she filled it. She's right by a well of water and couldn't see it. Now, I'm going to, this is called spiritualizing. What I'm about, I'm fixing to do something I'm, I shouldn't do. It's called spiritualizing. You can be sitting right by God's provision and not see it. He can blind you to it. She, he says, look. She looks up, oh, why didn't I see that well of water before when I was dying of thirst and the boy's dying of thirst? Because God didn't want her to see it. He wanted her to be desperate for him first. In your circumstances of life, if you are not desperate for God or you are having bad circumstances, it may be God wants you to become desperate for him. And God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness. He became an expert with the bow and he lived in the wilderness of Pran. His mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Over in Galatians 4, God leads, God leads uh, Paul to write the story of, of Hagar and Sarah in, in a way that is, uh, explains our salvation. And this is under so then. You got more than, less than, but so then. 
We are a slave born into sin. We're in trouble. And, and in Galatians chapter 4, uh, in verse 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the, sla- the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically, it's another word for spiritualizing. But in other words, it's a story that's going to teach us a lesson. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. I bet you thought that the Old Testament law would have been Isaac. Uh-uh. Because, let me get a drink of water so I can say this clearly. No one has ever been saved according to the law. The law has never accomplished the righteousness of God. Because it's asking imperfect people to act perfectly. And nobody can do that. Except, as I said earlier, Jesus did. That made him worthy to be our sacrifice. If he had had sin in his life, he couldn't have died for my sin. He'd had to die for his own sin. He's the only one who ever kept the law perfectly. And, And there are people that want us to go back and keep all the little requirements in the Old Testament law... No, thank you. The whole book of Galatians about you don't have to do that because that puts you under slavery to sin. The law only thing, only purpose it serves is to show that we are a slave to sin because we can't keep the law. And Christianity is not about us keeping the law. Christianity is about us being saved from the law into grace because God gave us salvation freely without cost except his own cost to die in our place on a cross. You ought to get up every morning and have a holy hallelujah fit over that fact alone. That if you know Christ, it is not because you deserved him. It is because he came and lived and died in your place. We're a slave to sin, but we're invited to become a son of promise. And he says that one is from Sinai and uh, one is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And she corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she's in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now, you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just at that time, he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So also it is now. In other words, those who are slaves to sin make fun of those who are slaves to the promise. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. It's not that the law has been cast away Fully, it is that Jesus fulfilled the requirement of the law so that we could be saved. I'm not saying the law is not good in what it's teaching. It is. It's perfect in what it's teaching. In fact, if you followed those, you'd be healthier. (laughs) If you followed the laws of the Old Testament, you'd be a lot healthier. But the problem is they keep making chocolate cake (laughs) and frying bacon and boiling shrimp. (laughs) Right? 
We just can't seem to get it. And so we need grace. And we need the grace of God found only in Jesus Christ, who is the descendant of Isaac. So what do you do with all that? I've told you a story. It doesn't sound like I've applied it much. I've tried to apply it as I went. What are you going to do with that? Well, first of all, you have to, first, you've got to know God's promises to trust them. Sarah and Abraham had trouble trusting the promise of God, and they knew what it was. You have the complete record of all the promises of God. And we read out of 1 Corinthians earlier in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. It says, as many as may be the promises of God in Jesus, they are yes. So if God has promised to save us through the blood of Christ, if we come and say, Lord, I want you to save me through the blood of Christ. I want you to be Lord. I want to follow you with my life. Yes. Yes. I'll do that. I will save you from your sin. I will take away the punishment of the law in your life. And I will give you grace. And you will know me and you'll become like me. And I'll be your God and you'll be my people. So don't let, number two, feeling less than keep you from becoming more than. Some people just, because they feel they're not worthy. Here, let me tell you something. Nobody's worthy. Never, never been a person born worthy of salvation. Except Christ. We all are unworthy. It is the guilt that you feel that makes you worthy to come to Christ and get forgiveness, to seek his forgiveness. If you didn't have sin in your life, Jesus would have died in vain and you wouldn't need him. It is the fact that everything has gone to hell in a handbasket in your life that qualifies you to come to the throne of grace and get mercy and salvation and help from God. So don't let feeling less than keep you from Becoming more than. And thirdly, when exactly did you take God's offer to become a child of promise? When was it in your life? Well, my mom and dad were Christians. Yeah, well, that ain't you. Well, I prayed a lot. Yeah, the rich man prayed out of hell. Prayed from hell. Didn't get him anything. Well, I go to church. Well, I went to McDonald's yesterday and I did not become a Big Mac. There's only one way, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ, bowing before him and saying, I'm a sinner. I'm lost without you. I want to become yours. Please take me. And he says, gladly. Pick up the child, hug him, take care of him. We can become a child of promise through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Andy, if you can make your way down, I appreciate it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we step before the throne once again, Lord, you know our needs before we utter a word of it. You know exactly what we need. Lord, there is no one in this room that does not need your grace. Lord, those of us who are saved, we need your grace more and more and more every day. For, Lord, becoming a follower of you does not make us perfect, but it makes us perfectly whole in you. And you begin to chip away all the parts of our life that doesn't look like Jesus. And so, Lord, you are perfecting us, but we will not be perfect till we see you as you are. And then we will be like you, for we will see you with our own eyes. 
And we look forward to that day. And in the meantime, we struggle on. But Lord, it's so good to know that as we walk the narrow way, we have a companion that you are with us. You said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you every step of the way. When we're in the midst of a tragedy, when we're in the midst of just beating ourselves up because we've blown it again, when we're in the midst of not knowing which way to turn and thinking life is over for us, that you see us, you hear us, you hear our cry, you will save us. And so, Lord, I'm just asking, in Jesus' name, I am asking, I'm not just asking, I'm asking in Jesus' name and by his authority that you would convict all of our hearts that where we are unrighteous, that you would make us righteous as far as practice. But, Lord, I pray also for those who are outside of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. They may be religious. They may go to church all the time. They may pray all the time. They may have never been to church. It may, if they're hearing this, this might be the first time they're hearing it. But Lord, only by your Holy Spirit can you bring that into their hearts so that they turn to you. So Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name and by his authority that you would send the Holy Spirit to convince us of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment to come. So that we will know we're not righteous, but we will put on the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That we know we were lost, but we can be saved in Christ. That we know judgment is coming, but not for us who are in Christ. 